Um, if you could find in your Bibles Romans chapter 5, verses, we're going to be reading verses 6 through to 11. That's page 1132. Just going to spend some time together in there. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, and I'll read through to verse 11. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have we been reconciled? Shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Let's pray together. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Lord, our souls are weary. We thank you, Lord, that your word can revive them. Father, we ask that you might give light to our eyes to see your love in all its glory. Revive our souls, Lord, as we look at your word together, as we look at your love. Amen. Well, how do you know someone loves you? How do others know that you love them? How do you know God loves you? Well, love needs to be demonstrated. That's why there are five love languages. Um, Gifts, hugs, quality time, words of affirmation, and another one. (laughs) Traditionally, British people aren't very good at demonstrating their love for each other. Um, We've got a stiff upper lip. But we do understand some displays of love. Um, Getting down on one knee. um, Cooking for a friend after they've had a rough day. And uh, there's a lovely guy from my old church who still texts me um, with encouragement to the Bible, even though we never see each other. We're not at the same church. I've not seen him for years. But he still texts me, and that's just amazing love. Um, now, I think our problem is that sometimes we think God is sometimes acts a bit British with us, and that he's a bit reserved. Um, we're never quite sure where we're at with God. But on Good Friday, as Jesus hung on the cross, as we've been looking at already, Dying in shame, God put his love for us on display in the clearest and most amazing way possible. And we need to take a good look at it again. Familiar territory, yes, but let's not let the familiar become trivial. And so we're going to be sitting really in verse 8 for the next kind of few minutes. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So the first thing we need to know about this love display is that it is from God. Which is it? There we go. This love display is from God. Now, all sorts of different thoughts um, that might go around people's heads when they think of God. If we went on the South Bank and asked people, what do you think God's like? What do you, what do you think of when you hear the word God? I think three main things might come into play. He doesn't exist. He's just a human construct that we invent to make life um, a bit easier. He might be a force out there in the universe that is out there, but you know you couldn't ever know personally. 
and not never really capable of loving anyone. Or perhaps some would think God is a, is a monster. And far from displaying his love to them, he has displayed quite the opposite. Through all the disasters, the death, the terror, and the conflict they see around them. Even um, as Christians, we believe this, but our answer deep down to what God is like can change depending on our circumstances. Um, though we believe God is good and loving, sometimes we think of him as an angry head teacher. Sometimes he's my father, sometimes he's my life coach, sometimes he's a harsh head teacher, sometimes he feels weak and distant. But since God doesn't change, what is he really like? Well, Good Friday gives us an unchanging, everlasting, and complete display of God's love. And so it poses a problem for us if we think God doesn't love us, can't love us, if he's evil or we think he doesn't exist. If you're here today overwhelmed by a sin that just makes you so ashamed or overburdened by life, we need to let God's word speak. God demonstrates his own love for us. God loves you and is adamant that you know it today. Love is on display this Good Friday. It is a love from God. But love, as we all know, is always given in the context of a relationship. Love is just not possible if there's only one person involved. So what's our relationship with God like? What kind of people does God display his love to? Well, let's take a look down at verse 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners. I think if humans alone wrote the Bible, it would say God loves us because we're his friends. That's human logic. That's what we think of when we think of love. It's done between friends in a good relationship. But here it's quite the opposite. Uh, God loves us while we were sinners. Safe to say sin is not a positive word. Um, but what does it mean? I think if we went out on the South Bank again, asked people about sin, we'd get another list of different answers. Sinners might be the really, really bad people in our society. Sinners might be the times where we're a bit naughty every now and then, indulging in a bit of gossip, a bit of foul language. Sinner here is, is, is far more serious than those things even. Sinner is a term used to describe God's enemies, those who want nothing to do with him. God's love is for his enemies. So come on. But I think this is where we need to stop, because I think this love is utterly unlike the love we usually experience and give out. Who do we give our most precious hours of the day to? Who do we expend the most energy for? Who do we support in times of trouble? Who do we look out for? I think there are two kinds of people. Those who are most lovable to us, our friends and our family. We love them, um, and we're going to be there for them. Those who are most lovable to us, and those who we have obligations to our colleagues, our boss, our landlord. We've got to put in the work because there's an obligation. I have to do it. Trivial example. There's two reasons why I might bake a cake. Uh, first reason, my friend Alistair, a few years ago, 1021, I made a cake for him because we were in a good, good relationship. He was a great guy. I made a three-tier Oreo cake off BBC Good Food. It was slightly slanted by the end, um, but it was tasty. It took a lot of hours and effort, but I wanted to do it. On the other side, I'm on the cake rotor this Sunday which is more, uh, though it's out of love for you, it's uh, also an obligation. Um, I have to make the cakes, otherwise Claire will get angry at me, and rightly so. Um, I'm actually not here on Sunday, so that's going to be interesting. I'm going to have to work hard to, to make that happen. 
We love those who are most lovable to us. We do things for people who we love and who are lovable. But we also do things, obviously, if there is some sort of obligation involved. Yet these things aren't present with God's relationship with us. Uh, Paul's already been saying in Romans so far, he's writing this letter, that far from being God's friends, we've done everything possible to make ourselves unlovable. We've become his enemies. We're not his friends and family, by nature at least. And neither does God have any obligation towards us, apart from giving us what we deserve. It isn't God's job to forgive and welcome us with open arms. It's his job to, to judge us for what, he's done, for what we've done to him. We are his, his enemies. We are sinners. So far from deserving God's love, we deserve the opposite. Death and separation because of our sin. And let's not let the force of that diminish. Um, you and I wanted nothing to do with God before he had mercy on us, before he loved us. We are not lovable by nature, and God has no obligation towards us. If this sounds a bit harsh, uh, let's, let me explain a bit more. Sin is a bit like me playing um, on video games that my parents bought me, uh, usually FIFA and Pro Evolution. Um, traveling to uni in their car, going to the cinema um, with the parents that my money, with the money my parents gave me. Taking and then refusing to ever talk or listen to them again once I went to uni. I'd even change my surname so that I would never be associated with them again. It's pretty bad, uh, bad behavior as a son. I'm sure you'd agree. Um, and yet, that's the kind of thing we do to God. We take what he gives us, um, and we don't acknowledge him or thank him for it. Already in Romans, Paul has said, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. We're not lovable, and God has no obligation towards us. We are his enemies. And yet, knowing... We're God's enemies is essential to understanding God's love on Good Friday. We cannot understand his love if we think we're basically good and we deserve it. This verse, I think, spells the end for religion as we understand it. Religion will say, you're a sinner. You better get back in line. Sort yourself out. You're a mess. God will only love you if you get your act together and be a good person. Basically, while you are still sinners, God won't love you. And yet how often as Christians, we might say those exact things to ourselves and maybe to each other. We mess up and suddenly we think, how could God ever love me? I need to pull my socks up. Or on the other end, we might say uh, we can somehow become more lovable to God and we do our Bible studies and we do our talks and we do music and we um, go to church every week and somehow think that we're somehow becoming more lovable to God. But we must remember that he loved us while we were still his enemies. We can't do anything to make ourselves lovable to God. And I think this makes God's love all the more stunning when we see it. God loves us at our most unlovable. I think that's amazing. And I don't think I've ever experienced a love like that. This love display is not for, not for his friends, but for his enemies, and so I think now, I think now we're ready to look at this display. Let's look down again at that verse, verse 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So finally, we need to see that this display of love 
is through sacrifice. On Good Friday, Jesus Christ died on a cross. It was a painful way to die. He had nails drilled, drilled through his hands and his feet. It was a humiliating way to die, naked in front of everybody. Christ on the cross. This is God's great love display. This is God's great demonstration of his love for you and for me. On the face of it, crucifixion seems the last place to look for love. It is truly horrific. I think if if we'd been there, I don't think we'd have been able to look. You might think, well, is this really necessary? Can't God show his love some other way? Jesus was completely innocent. He was actually the only person who wasn't an enemy of God. He was 100% lovable. He always did what was right. He had a wonderful relationship with God. And he was God's only son. If anyone had a right to God's love, it was Jesus. And yet Christ died. Has anyone else suffered as much grief as Jesus the night before his death in Gethsemane where he sweat blood, trembling at what awaited him? And the next day while he hangs on the cross, the sky turns dark and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus stood condemned as God's enemy. What a tragedy. The only beautiful son of God, the sinless, spotless creator of the galaxies and the stars and our beautiful world here on earth, hanging on a cross, rejected by the people he loves. Has the world ever known such catastrophe as Jesus suffering on that hill outside Jerusalem? Christ died. Why such suffering? Why does God's perfect, lovable, beautiful son, God's chosen king, the Christ, why does he die? Well, the answer is mind-blowing in it. The answer is he suffers for us. He dies for us. This is no catastrophe. This is no tragic loss of life. This is no random act of kindness. It's my sin that is placed onto Jesus. This death exactly matches what I deserve. As I look at the cross, I see that I should be up there. And as we, as we think and as we reflect, I think we need to be specific. I think um, there are still sins in our lives that we, we cling on to and we think, God will never, ever forgive me for that. What sin are you still ashamed of? What sin are you still ridden with guilt by? Well, you need to see it paid for at the cross. As Christ hangs on the cross, he does it for me and for you. Have you ever seen a love like it? Day to go and try find a love like this one. All the pages of fiction, of non-fiction, I don't think you'll find one quite like this. What other love could possibly outdo this love from God who gave everything for us? Well, we started by thinking about how we display love for those who care about. Uh, we need to end by thinking about how we respond to this love. What are we to do with this love display, this cross? Well, I think very simply, we need to cling to it and we need to trust it. If this is all new to you, let me say that you can trust God. He isn't out to hurt you. He's not there to tie you down with needless rules. He isn't aloof and heartless, some unknowable force floating out there. He does really exist. 
And he has shown you exactly what he's like when Jesus sacrificed himself for you. Good Friday is God's great announcement that he cares about your life even more than you do. Please don't now just shrug your shoulders and walk off. But even if this is the thousandth time looking at the cross, we need to keep looking and we need to keep trusting and we need to keep clinging to this display. We, we trust those who, we, who love us, don't we? I trust my family, I trust my friends because I know they, they love me. God mustn't be an exception. God loves us and so he has more than earned our trust. Can I just ask you, what's pulling your eyes away from the love of God displayed on the cross? What's blocking your view? What's making it blurry? What's going to stop you today from trusting and clinging to God? If I'm honest, I've spent a lot of my life thinking that there's something better out there, and that if I keep looking, I'll find something that really will satisfy me. Often I look to myself to have a successful, happy life, to deal with my issues. And then I find myself crippled by self-doubt and worry for the future. Maybe we look for someone else's love or some other part of our life to truly satisfy us and make life worth living. And yet what we really need is to be forgiven. We need to be reconciled. We're enemies of God and we need to be reconciled to him. And so no amount of money or sex or popularity or anything will ever do that for us. Only this cross will do that. So Jesus' sacrifice shows you that you are truly loved. And you're loved with a love that is satisfying, it is secure. And can I encourage us all today, however we are feeling, whatever we are facing, to cling to this love of God we can see on the cross. And there's a real hope for us as we do this. We don't trust God in vain. We don't cling to him in vain. Uh, Because as Paul will go on to say, as we read, if God loved us so much to send Jesus to die while, while we were still utterly unlovable and his enemies, how much more will he now keep all his promises to us for the years we have in this life and for eternity in the future? Jesus' sacrifice has turned us from being God's unlovable enemies to his dearly loved children. Christ's blood has washed us clean. He has made us God's dearly loved children. And so we can trust him, we can cling to this cross because that is the sure display. The sure display of love that God has given us. And so we need to keep trusting, we need to keep clinging and we need to keep on looking. God is on your side as you trust in Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we are stunned by your love towards us. Towards us who are so unlovable. We thank you that while we were weak, while we were your enemies, you gave the precious Lord Jesus to die for us. To take the penalty of our sin and to give us life. Lord, we ask for eyes that are enlightened to see more of this beautiful love display. Keep it from becoming trivial or over-familiar. Make the cross ever more stunning and wonderful to us. And Lord, we cling. We cling to it, Lord. We cling to this sure display of your love for us. We trust you and we thank you for your love through Christ's sacrifice. Amen. We're now going to